Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast, Reacts. We are reacting to the Texas 69-31 win over Kansas State in Manhattan. Uh, make that four in a row over the Wildcats and two in a row in Manhattan. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, uh, our managing editor, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I'm good, Chip. You know, I think that you and I may have to... Uh to eat a little crow today because you and I were the only ones over at Horns 24-7 who predicted that Texas, you know, we didn't know what team was going to come out. So we picked Texas to lose and we ended up being the losers because the Longhorns, without a doubt, put up a pretty impressive showing, I would say. But how are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. I am definitely a loser. And whenever I pick Texas to be a loser, they win. So the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah, I think our, I our th- person the opposite, I guess. <laughs> I think our horns 24/7 family should be ecstatic anytime I pick Texas to lose because they have won every time I've picked them to lose. Picked them to lose against Oklahoma State, picked them to lose against West Virginia, picked them to lose against K-State and bam bam bam, I'm 0 for 3. So, well, let's enough about us, Taylor. Um, what a what a performance! What a what a nice uh, sunny day in Manhattan, Kansas, for the Texas Longhorns. Because I mean, they came out, my gosh, scored on their first five drives of the first half, scored on their first six drives of the second half. The defense got punctured for some big plays, big plays, but it didn't matter because the offense was totally in sync in a way that we just haven't seen. It was almost like, you know, we had several members on our Horns 24-7 board say, oh, Tom Herman must have let uh, Mike Yersich call the plays today. <laughs> and, and they just went off. And it was, it was an unbelievable day for Bijan Robinson, for Roshan Johnson. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger didn't have to do that much. It was all done on the ground. Jordan Whittington uh, started his second straight game for the first time in his Texas career, had had a 15-yard touchdown run on a reverse. It was actually the same play he ran against UTEP that he came up one yard short. And it was, you know, Cade Brewer caught one of those weird passes that Texas likes to throw and tiptoed down the sideline for a touchdown. Malcolm Epps got in for a touchdown pass. So just one of those days where you're like, is this really happening? And 69-31 to 31 later, Taylor, Texas is now – Six and three, and five and three in the Big 12, which doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot because Iowa State and Oklahoma still have, um, you know, the lock on the Big 12 championship game. Uh, right now, Texas probably looking like the the Alamo, the Liberty, or the Texas Bowls, um, and. And then they come home on Sunday and three players test positive for COVID-19. So we're not quite sure what's going on in terms of their preparation for the Kansas game, which is their final regular season game. And oh, by the way, you have a Texas contingent that is still sniffing around Urban Meyer to see if he's interested in returning to coaching uh, to possibly replace Tom Herman. If not, well, then... (laughs) Then who? <laughs> then who? Tom Herman might be staying, or does Chris Del Conte come up with uh, 
with a hot name that would inspire a $25 million buyout. That's all. That's all that's going on. Yeah, nothing really going on in Longhorn land, no doubt. But, you know, Chip, one thing that I, I – it was really um, interesting to kind of see the Texas offense, in my opinion, because, you know, you and I have been basically like screaming, you know, at the top of our lungs being like, let, you know, run the ball, run the ball, stop giving up on the run, stop abandoning the run because the thing that's going to help a struggling quarterback and a struggling passing offense is when you can – allow your running backs to do their job. And that's exactly what Texas did. I mean, you know, Bijan Robinson still limited in the carries, got nine carries, 172 yards, three touchdowns. Roshan Johnson, 14 carries, 142, or excuse me, 139 yards and three touchdowns. And then Sam Ellinger finishes with, um, you know, 75% completion percentage and two passing touchdowns for 274 yards total. That's the best that Sam Ellinger has played in a while. And we're talking about the ground game. We're saying, oh, you know, didn't need much from Sam Ellinger, but that's still a solid performance from the quarterback. Yeah, no, it was. And I thought one of the big stories of the day was the offensive line because Jake Majors, the true freshman, got the start at center. And Derek Kerstetter moved back out to his favored right tackle position. And, and Kerstetter had an injured ankle coming out of the Iowa State game. And there was some question I heard about whether he would play against Kansas State. And then the devastating injury where, it, man, it looked like his left ankle was broken. But um, Tom Herman said it was a dislocation. He was carted off the field and... You know, say what you want about Derek Kerstetter, about the personal foul penalties earlier in the year. The guy was playing center when, you know, he'd much rather play right tackle. And it was looking so good, you know, with Jake Majors at center and Kerstetter at right tackle. And you had Christian Jones over there at left tackle taking over for Sam Cosme, who opted out. And everything was clicking along. And it, and it actually kept clicking uh, even when Kerstetter went down. Um, in the second quarter with the with that left ankle injury and and you saw Andre Carrick come in uh, and play some left tackle and and Christian Jones go back to the right tackle spot as that game wore on but that offensive line man they didn't miss a thing with Jake Majors at center and it almost makes you wonder should they have gone to that earlier in the year I wrote about it going into the year yeah the Jake Majors could be an option at center and we didn't see him until the second of the last game of the year. And wow, did he look good. Now, I get it. K-State's defensive line is beat up. Their whole defense is depleted. They lost Elijah Sullivan, their linebacker, after play three of the Texas game. So Texas was, was going up against a, a beat-up K-State defense. But still, everything was working. And you just, you know, big applause to Jake Majors because, look, there, there was a bunch of freshmen making plays out there, Taylor. You had, you had Jaron Thompson, the, the freshman safety with the interception, almost had two. Uh, you had redshirt freshman David Benda with an interception. You had uh, Jalen Ford with seven tackles. You had uh, Jake Majors and Andre Carrick on the offensive line. You had redshirt freshman Jordan Whittington with a touchdown. I mean, you know, it was a showcase for some of these younger players and you know, everyone's all upset and about what, who's going to coach and uh, get rid of Herman and where's Urban Meyer and isn't there anyone other than Herman? But there is some young talent on this roster that, that you know, you have to say, hey, you know what, they might, 
they might be okay. I mean, they're going to lose some guys this year and some, some juniors have some, deci- some decisions to make, but you know, there's some young talent that, that showed up in this game. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, Chip, one thing I'm curious about, was this a showcase for whoever the next head coach may be if Texas were to make a change of what they may have at their disposal? You've been, you know, the lead reporter in uh, all of the latest going on with Tom Herman's future at Texas. So I think that I think everyone, everyone that's listening to the flagship podcast wants to know the latest. So what is the latest with that situation? Well, everyone's waiting on Urban Meyer to decide if he's going to come back into coaching again. And, you know, he's not in any rush. And Texas, obviously, once word got out that uh, there was um, serious interest in Urban Meyer, uh, it's, it's been awkward, to say the least. But I don't get the sense that university leadership really cares about how Tom Herman feels about it. They know it's not great for recruiting to have this, this sort of flirtation going on while they have a sitting head coach. But look, they weren't real happy with Tom Herman earlier in the year with the way that the team played against TCU in Oklahoma and the way that the team handled the eyes of Texas under Herman. And there's no doubt. And if you read Chris Hummer's story, from 24-7 Sports, um, he did a great job getting access to emails from donors to Texas leadership, just pounding uh, Tom Herman and saying, go get Urban Meyer after the four-overtime loss to Oklahoma. And that is about the time that uh, the Texas push for Urban Meyer began. Urban Meyer has known since October that Texas has had interest in him, but he still hasn't made a a hard decision about whether he's getting back into coaching. If you talk to sources close to Meyer, he's playing golf. He's enjoying his, his gig on, on Fox, that, that big noon kickoff show. Heck, he was doing a lot of talking about Texas this week because Fox had the Texas K-State game, but um, he has not given a clear indication if he's getting back into coaching. And so the, you know, it hasn't, progressed. And, you know, I've talked to a high ranking university source who says with each day that goes by, you get the sense that maybe Meyer's not going to get back into coaching. Um, And then the question is, is does athletic director Chris Del Conte have a coach he covets other than Urban Meyer? Because we're talking about a 25 million dollar buyout. We've been talking about this here on the flagship podcast for a long time saying that is not a small number. That's not, that is, that is a number that only seems to make sense if you're talking about a three-time national championship coach, especially when you're looking at a $53 million shortfall in the athletic department because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, for the 2021 school year. But I'm told that the, the search is not over. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see if, if another name emerges or if Chris Del Conte has uh, a coach that he covets that he's willing to put his neck on the line for. And, and then if university officials will, will go along with it because this is one of those upside-down situations, Taylor, where 
the athletic director, if left to his own devices, it would be hard for the athletic director to go uh, to the administration and say, hey, we need to make a coaching change. It's going to cost us $25 million and we have a $53 million shortfall. In this situation, it was the donors who pounded on the, the leadership at the highest level of the university to, to go after Urban Meyer, and they sort of agreed to do it. I'm not sure how much Chris Del Conte uh, would have wanted to go after Urban Meyer, or if that, maybe that is his guy, but it, I get the sense that, that Chris Del Conte would like to maybe present uh, another coach to the administration, and we'll see if they feel like it's it's worth the twenty five million dollars. Uh, it's that's a really really big number, Taylor. Um, and and look, the donors are willing to give if it's a coach they just are so excited about, you know. And and obviously, Urban Meyer with three national championships fits that description. It's hard even on our own Horns 24-7 you know, flagship board to find a consensus on who would be the alternative. Who's the, who's the next coach after Urban Meyer that you would want to see coaching the Longhorns? So I get the feeling this is going to play out over a, a, a little while longer. So it's going to test the patience of, of fans. It's going to test the patience even of the Administration, it's certainly going to test the patience of everyone in the football program. It's not ideal. Um, and who knows? Urban Meyer could decide in the next five minutes, you know what? What am I thinking? I got to get to Texas and, and let's, let's go. But uh, we wait. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious who that number two guy is in the donor's mind, because as we all know, you know, you know very, very well, I've, you know, covered now three different uh, head coaches at the University of Texas in just, you know, less than 10 years covering this program. But uh, I'm, I'm very curious to wonder, I'm wondering what the donors would consider paying that buyout for. Because as you mentioned, Chip, you're right. 25 million is 25 million, regardless if it's during a pandemic or not. Now, during a pandemic, it presents even more, you know, concerns because of the losses you mentioned that the university will lose from just overall revenue this year because of the you know, COVID-19 restrictions, the testing, everything, all of that combined into one. And so I'm, I'm really, you know, I feel like this is almost in a sense, it kind of feels a little bit like the 2013 situation where um, with Mac Brown there. Now I'm not comparing Tom Herman to Mac Brown. I think Mac Brown obviously was a much more established head coach, much more proven, uh, much more likable, which made him more endearing to a lot of people um, to be able to, you know, fire him after eight, an eight win season. But I felt like at that point, the donors were all narrowed in, zeroed in onto Nick Saban. And that kind of, you know, blew that one up. And then they went to the, the coaching search. So I'm curious, do you think that the university brass would be willing to enter a coaching search at this point? Um, I think they're just going to continue on behind the scenes because Tom Herman's under contract for three more years. And whether Tom Herman likes it or not, they don't really care. Um, And again, it's not ideal. This is not ideal. You got signing day coming up December 16th. Texas has the, 
the 17th ranked recruiting class, you know, there's talent in that class. And if, if, if the coaches have done a good job evaluating and they, you know, they get the players they need, they do have talent on the roster right now, if they can hold on to that talent. I mean, we heard Keontae Ingram, um, you know, considering a transfer now, obviously with Bijan Robinson, um, that's your guy. Keontae Ingram uh, is going to have to fight for, for scraps and, and that's the way it is because Bijan Robinson is, is a star and we all know it now. But my point is, it's not ideal, obviously, um, that Tom Herman is the sitting coach and you've got you know, the administration and the athletic director looking around at his possible replacement. But that sort of tells you how disgusted they were with Tom Herman earlier in the year. Uh, with the way that he was handling things or not handling things or not listening. And, and then, you know, the performance on the field didn't, didn't live up to what uh, anyone's expectations were. And, and so this is not a good situation, but they don't, they don't have the reverence for Tom Herman that Texas had for Mac Brown. And so, um, you know, with Mac Brown, who'd won a national championship by the time we got to 2013, Texas was trying to do right by him. They thought they had an agreement to, to part ways after Texas failed to gain a share of the Big 12 title in 13. Mac Brown uh, went about things differently, turned Steve Patterson uh, to his side because he's very, um, you know, affable and likable and, and convinced. Hearing. And everything. Endearing, right. And Steve Patterson went went with it. So, you know, he was willing to, to keep Mac Brown around. Uh, in this situation, it's, it's administrators who really don't care what Tom Herman thinks. And if they find a better coach, then they're going to replace him. If they don't, he's going to get to stay another year and, and show what he can do with, with that new coaching staff. So um, it's it's not ideal at all, but I think, um, you know, the, the Texas administration is going to ride this thing out with urban Meyer and then, and then see where they are. Well, you didn't also with Mac Brown, you didn't have, you know, after a 38 point win and blowout on the road, getting caught in a hot mic situation like we had with Tom Herman yesterday. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, he can't just, he can't just, just get out of his own way. Like get out of your own way, dude. Like, right. oh my gosh. Just, yeah, I mean, so for we don't know exactly what was said, but there was a comment made in the background when he didn't realize the mic was on, and uh, after a Zoom, you know, post game press conference, saying something about, "Oh, let's see how they spin that." <laughs> it's like, yeah, some like they can't twist that. Yeah, that's right. Twist that sixty nine. Can't yeah. twist that sixty nine thirty one win. And good for him. Good for the players. Really, oh, I mean, yeah. to fight. I'm so happy for. Yeah, I'm so happy for guys like Jaron Thompson and Jake Majors and and Bijan Robinson and and all those players, Sam Ellinger, because this is what they've been waiting for. All of them, to a man, said we weren't having any fun, mm-hmm. and we decided we're going to finally go out and have some fun. I don't know what it took for them, and this is always the case, Taylor. I mean, it's at the bowl game. It's always go have some fun. You know, Chris Del Conte, as soon as he got here in seventeen, said. Hey, make sure the bowl game is fun for these players, not punishment for losing to Texas Tech. And they went out and they they beat Missouri in the in the Texas Bowl. And 
And then the players resolved last Tuesday, hey, we're gonna, we need to have some fun. Let's go out and have some fun, play for each other. And then whammo, they look great. I, it's, I mean, it's so confounding. We understand Texas fans, the pain, the frustration. You don't know which team's going to show up. You sure would have liked to have seen that team that showed up in Manhattan, Kansas, show up a lot more on Saturdays <laughs> this fall. Um, but uh, we're, we're in this sort of uh, limbo. And, and now with the COVID-19 positive test, three players testing positive on Sunday, and, and Texas putting out a statement after our report came out saying that they will um, stay away, suspend team activities through Tuesday and test again. Well, they'll test Monday and Tuesday and determine how far, you know, the contact tracing or how far the COVID-19 uh, has spread. But again, three players, two staff members who, who tested negative on Friday, according to Texas, have tested positive on Sunday. And now team activities will be suspended through Tuesday outside of testing. So um, Texas wants and needs to get that Kansas game in. It's a $3.5 million payday, so they are absolutely planning on playing it if they can. And now we wait to determine uh, how the team situation is. And Taylor, um, you know, we will be back on Wednesday with uh, the flagship podcast and our flagship podcast preview on Thursday, looking ahead head to Kansas and um, you don't want to miss those episodes because things are changing by the day at Texas and there's always uh, always something going on never a dull moment I'll tell you that I've, I've been on several radio programs across the country over the last few weeks and that's why I just keep saying like it's never a dull moment when you cover the University of Texas I'll tell you that never we ate years, but <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks to everybody for listening to the flagship podcast, Reacts. And uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.